Well, amen. What a wonderful service. Can we just give God praise and thank them one more time? Oh, my goodness. Last Sunday morning, I was at my sister's wedding, and it was beautiful. I had the privilege of officiating that. My sister Emily married Connor, and they are now going to reside in Nashville, Tennessee. But I was not at church last week, and last week was a Sunday of worship and praise. I cannot tell you the number of texts and phone calls I got last week that said, Pastor, now don't take this the wrong way. But Sunday was great. It was just absolutely wonderful. And I got to watch online, and I know it was a blessing because praising our risen Lord never gets old. So here today, we are here to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. I want you to take your copy of the Lord's Word and turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15, and we are going to be in verses 1 through 28, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 28. This is the Apostle Paul as he is writing this beautiful exposition on the reality of the resurrection, the centrality of the Christian faith. Everything rises and falls here, even more so than the cross, the empty tomb. Everything rises and falls here, and we're going to see that today. I want you to read with me. It will be on the screen, and I would invite you to follow along on the screen or in your copy of God's Word. If you would like to take notes today inside your worship guide, there's an outline that I will be working through. Perhaps you've got an ink pen or pencil, pen, lipstick, mascara, something like that to fill in the, the blanks today. And if not, if you just want to sit there and take it all in, that is cool too. But we are going to read from the Word of God this morning. Paul begins by saying, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ, here it is, died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, in accordance to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, that is his blood half-brother. Then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though, I was, um, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me." Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, in dealing with the question of the resurrection, he says this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed raised from the dead, 
How can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? Let me pause just here. Keep in mind, who is he writing to? He is writing to the church in Corinth, probably the first Baptist church of Corinth. Just a little plug there. But writing to the church in Corinth. And notice what he's dealing with. He says, listen, I've heard that some of you all are saying there is no resurrection. And he's dealing with that. Even amongst the people of God. How in the world could you deny the resurrection? You want to know why? It's just too good to be true. It's too good to be true at times. We've been to so many funerals. We've lost loved ones. And death seems so final. It seems like how could anybody be raised from the dead? But Paul said, do you realize what you're saying? Notice in verse 13. But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Do you catch that? The cross is meaningless apart from the tomb that's empty. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are to be of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put into subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Will you pray with me? Lord, Bless the reading and preaching of your word. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. We would see Jesus, and may we hear the soft sound of his sandaled feet today in his name. Amen and amen. The reality of Easter, Christ is risen. He is risen. First principle, if you're taking notes today, Jesus is risen from the grave. He is risen. Now notice that the scripture, and look in verse number 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised, it's present ongoing. It's a present reality. Notice the scripture does not say that Christ 
is buried. Christ is buried. No, he is risen. I was in the hardware store this week and I overheard a conversation. I had my son with me and two older gentlemen were talking and they brought up a friend named Bob. I don't know who Bob is. I don't even know who these guys are. And one of them asked the other one and said, hey, have you seen Bob lately? He said, no, it's been about six months. And he said, well, well, what was the occasion? He said, well, he's moved down to Verona. He said, really? I didn't know he moved to Verona. Where'd he move down there? He said, just off the highway. He has a nice little plot down there. And he said, really? Well, what's the address? He said, I don't remember, but he's six feet under. He said, oh, okay, he died. Now listen, when you go to a grave marker, someone is buried. You can go to cemeteries all over the world and see names and see dates. Some of them dates and the names have washed away, but it is a marker that someone is buried. But that's not what the scripture says. Christ was buried. He is risen. He's not is buried. Secondly, he is not was risen. He is not was risen. You know that there are people through miraculous circumstances and medical anomalies that have resuscitated after they have died. I read about a man not too long ago who spent all night in the morgue and then revived and he was in the body bag and started beating to get his way out, scared the matrician to death when he came in there. It, it's an anomaly. It doesn't happen often, but hey, look, it happens. We know that from the scripture, people have been raised from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Jesus raised other people from the dead. But notice when it comes to Jesus, it's not that he was is buried or was risen, but he is risen. Everyone who has been raised from the dead outside of Jesus has at one time or another in the passage of time died again. But Jesus is alive. And notice it is not this. This is not the scripture saying that Jesus will rise not some hopeful expectation that in the passage of time that one day Jesus is actually going to rise no the scripture says he is risen which leads us to this the scripture is not is buried was buried will rise but is risen I want you to look at verse number 17 what does this mean the reality that Jesus is alive Notice what it doesn't mean if he's dead. Notice what it says. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Since Jesus is alive, this is what it means. First, believing is power believing is power your faith and my faith is not futile not futile you know what I tell myself on bad days when I have a bad day and the world seems to be falling apart and the sky seems to be falling I strengthen myself in God and I tell myself listen Jesus is still on the throne it's going to be okay and God's gonna work this together for good Friends, if Jesus is not alive, none of that's true. That's just hopeless, blind 
optimism that is greatly misplaced. If Jesus is not alive, your best prayer is mankind getting their act together. And good luck with that. If Jesus is not alive, it is up to the people and the governments of this world to make this world a better place. It ain't happening, folks. But if Jesus is alive, no matter how chaotic my life gets, how chaotic my family gets, how chaotic our country gets, how chaotic the world gets, I'm able to say with faith and confidence, but Christ is raised from the dead. My faith is not futile. Believing is power. It's power. Not only believing is power, notice the next thing it says. Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Because Christ is raised, you know what that means? You're not in your sins anymore. That means that you are forgiven. Now, some of us might say, but Matt, I just don't really feel forgiven doesn't matter. Christ is raised from the dead. Whether you feel it or not, it's a historic fact. And if you belong to him, your sins are forgiven. It is a past thing of history that Jesus bore our sins on the cross. He went into the grave and was buried. But when he came out of the grave, our sins stayed there forever in the grave of God's forgetfulness. And he came out in power and in glory forever as a testimony that our sins are dealt with. You say, well, Brother Matt, does that mean all of my sins or just the sins that I committed before I got saved? Friends, let me ask you something. How many sins did you commit after Jesus paid for them all every single one of them jesus has paid for every single one of your sins and they are buried in the grave of god's forgetfulness because jesus is alive you are forgiven and you are free regardless of how you feel today not only believing his power not only you are forgiven and free but also your loved ones in christ are waiting for you Look down in verse number 18. It says, if Christ is not raised, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Jesus isn't alive, guess what? You're never going to see mama again. You're never going to see your grandparents again. You're never going to see your spouse again. You're never going to see your children again. You're never going to see your friends again. Death is the final act if Jesus is not raised. But because Jesus is alive, even death itself has been turned upside down. And it is not a final goodbye. But it is rather telling that loved one when you speak to him the last time, I will see you when the morning comes. Friends, if Jesus is alive, guess what? You're going to see mom again. You're going to see dad again. All of your loved ones in Christ, you are going to see them again. They're not gone. They're with Christ. And there is a coming major family reunion that is going to happen one day when Christ comes again. Or if he tarries, should we, our time come. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When I breathe my last, I'm going to be with Jesus and I am going to be with my friends and family. Why? Because Christ is raised from the dead. Also, here's the other thing. Christ is raised from the dead. I want you to look. What does it mean in verses 25 through 28? All wrong gets made right. 
All wrong gets made right. Look in verses 25 through 28. The scripture says this, For he must reign because he is not there. We're going to talk about that in a second. He's not in the grave. He is now reigning from heaven. While he is reigning from heaven, what is going on right now? He is establishing his rule and order over all the earth. Listen to verse 25. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things into subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put into subjection, it's plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. What does that mean? That means there is coming a day because Christ has been raised from the dead that no one will ever say again, you know, it shouldn't be this way. Children shouldn't die. Parents shouldn't get cancer. Disease shouldn't happen. War shouldn't happen. Poverty shouldn't happen. All of these things, division, hate, prejudice, all those things shouldn't happen. But there's coming a day where nobody will even remember those things anymore. Why? Because all wrong will get made right. We won't even remember the former things. And you're going to be with your family. Think about that. There are, I know you've got loved ones and I've got them too and you love them. And some of them have hurt you. And even though you love them, when you see them in the back of your mind, it's like, yeah, you know, when you were eight years old, you broke my nose. I still remember that. But I've let it go. But it's still back there somewhere. No, listen. When we're with Jesus and his coming kingdom, listen, all we have left is our love for him and for each other. All that other stuff is gone forever. All wrong gets made right because Jesus is alive everything that's bad is undone so Jesus is risen from the grave and it changes everything that believing is power you are forgiven and free your loved ones in Christ are waiting for you and all wrong gets made right if you've ever looked out at the world and said, somebody ought to do something about this, they have and they are. Christ is raised from the dead. Principle number two is this. Not only is Jesus is risen from the grave, but Jesus is not here. Somebody might say, wait a second. You're telling me that we can believe that God's going to work everything out for us personally and that we're forgiven and free and that all of my loved ones I'm going to see again, and all wrong gets made right. Somebody, a cynical person or a critical person or a careful person, might even say, who made all that stuff up? I mean, that is way too good to be true. If I'm going to believe something like that, I, need, I mean, you're asking me, I mean, don't get me wrong, that sounds awesome, but you're asking me to believe that essentially everything bad becomes good because this guy's alive. A, a, a little bit of proof for this might be helpful. Well, the scripture gives us the proof. Jesus is not here. I want to read to you the resurrection passage from Matthew 28, 1 through 6. Oh, I love it. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the, day, the, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. I wonder if she'll be called that in heaven. Hey, Mary Magdalene. Hey, other Mary. Went to see them at the tomb, went to see the tomb, 
And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became as dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not, what does it say? He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. So, Jesus is not here. So where is he? Where is he? If he's not here, where is he? Well, the scripture tells us. He's not here. He's there. Well, where's there? Well, um, Mark 16, 19 says this. So then the Lord Jesus, after he'd spoken to them, showing to them that he was alive, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. He's not here, friends. He is there. He is sitting on the throne next to God. Now, again, a careful person might say, okay, but how do we know that these women are telling the truth? Back at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, look who believed this message. Who believed this message? Look in verse number 5. He appeared to Cephas. Who is that? That's Peter believed the message so much that even after denying that he knew Jesus, all the miracles that Jesus had ever worked were not enough for him to say, I know that man. But when Christ was raised from the dead, that changed Peter's life, and Peter became a martyr and gave his life, refusing to deny that Jesus is alive. So Peter believed someone who had formerly denied. Then to the twelve all the apostles. He appeared to them. Now, the 12 would have replaced, been replaced by Matthias, who replaced um, Judas, and he would have appeared to the 12, and all of them, outside of one of them, gave their life and were martyred for their faith. Not only that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Notice what it says, most of whom are still alive some of whom have fallen asleep. If he was a ghost or it was a vision, 500 people at one time are not going to be having some shared hallucination. These people were still alive. But you know what I think the greatest proof that Jesus is alive is the next name. Then he appeared to James. He appeared to James. This last weekend I went to my sister's wedding and I'm she got married in our, our home church where my family has gone for forever. And then afterwards, we held the reception at a wedding venue we have there on our family farm that's owned by my cousins. And it was, it's so good to see everybody up there. But you know, one of the things that I'm reminded of when I go back there, I'm just David and Sandy's kid. Like in Tupelo, I'm an adult and I have my own family. But there, I'm just their little boy. All right, I'm not saying my parents like treat me bad. I'm just saying all my aunts and uncles, they're, it's just like, oh, Matt, it's so good to see. And it's always so good to see. But I realize at home, I'm just Matt or Maddie <laughs> when I'm at home with my family. And I'm just a kid. Do you know what it would take for your brother to believe 
that you got up from the dead and believe it so much. This is your own brother. Jesus' flesh and blood brother, James, believed Jesus was alive so much he gave his own life up to refuse to deny that Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is there. Not only that, the scripture tells us today that he is still working. If Jesus is up in heaven and he's sitting on the throne, what does that mean for us today? Well, a couple of things. First is that he is still working. You know what he's doing? First of all, he is remembering you. One of the most beautiful passages in the Passion Week is, comes out of Luke chapter 23, where we read about two thieves on the cross. These two thieves on the cross, one is angry, who is crucified next to Jesus, blames Jesus for not doing something about this situation. And then the other one is penitent. He's repentant. He looks at Jesus. And do you remember what he says? He says, listen, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In verse 23, chapter 23, verse 42, Jesus, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What did Jesus say to him? Today, surely you will be with me in paradise. What is Jesus doing in the throne room of God? He is remembering you and me. Do you ever get a text every now and again and somebody just texts you and says, hey, I just had you on my mind today. Doesn't that make you feel good? Especially if it's somebody you hadn't seen in a while. Hey, I, I had you on my mind today. Um, it can be very meaningful and encouraging. What, what if you, for some reason, like, uh, unless you're like me, I have that little filter that blocks spam calls. So I hope Jesus' phone call wouldn't get blocked, right? But different area code and all. But Imagine getting a phone call from Jesus. Hey, I, just up here with my, my dad today in the, in the throne room, just thinking about you, Matt. I, I'm remembering you. Or, hey, getting a text from Jesus. Hey, had you on my mind today. You know, it's true. We're not going to get a text from him. I guess we could if he wanted to. Do. God can do anything. But he has you on his mind. What is he doing up there? He remembers you. Secondly, he represents you. What's he doing up in the throne room of God? He's not just remembering you and dwelling on his love for you. He is also representing you in the throne room. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, this is 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. I love this. It says, John speaking to the church, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the world. I want you to look at that. We have an advocate. We have an advocate. Jesus is right there at the right hand of God. And not only does he have us on his mind and in his heart and our names written on his hands, he is representing you and me before the Father. Every time we mess up, he says, Father, I don't, don't, I've, I've paid for that one. I love this one. He is interceding for you and me right now. Not only is he remembering you and representing you, the third thing, he rules for you. 
he rules for you. Notice the end of chapter 15. It says that all things are being wait, are waiting to be put in subjection under his feet. But it's not just under his feet. Romans 16, 20 says that God is going to soon crush Satan under our feet. Do you know that the New Testament says that we are co-heirs with Christ? Did you know that Jesus is ruling from heaven for you and me, and one day we are going to join him in his rule? You're like, I, I, I missed that part. This is what the New Testament says, is that we are going to join him in his coming rule and reign. Listen to John 20, verse 17. I love this. When Jesus is saying goodbye to the disciples, he says to the woman here, he says, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father, I love this, and your Father. My Father and your Father. I am ascending to my God and your God. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going where you can't go, and I'm going to represent you. I'm going to remember you. I'm going to rule for you, and when your time comes, you're going to go and be with me and rule with me. Which brings me to the last thing. It is true that Jesus is risen from the grave. Jesus is not here. Oh, but there's one more. Jesus is not through. Jesus is not through. I want you to look back in the scripture again. Look in verse number 23. It says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits then at his coming, those to belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Friends, the resurrection is true. Jesus is risen, but he's not through. He is not through. There is still more to come. I know it's Easter, but the two big holidays for Christians every year is Easter and the 4th of July. No, I'm just kidding. It's Easter and Christmas, of course, right? It's Easter and Christmas. I love Easter. I love Christmas. One of the things I love about Christmas, to talk about Christmas, I have a very memorable moment in my childhood. It was a very special Christmas where I got progressively better gifts as Christmas Day went on. My parents had hid them around the house and they left us a little map and I'd go and find and I, it was just I, I think I was eight years old and here I am still remembering and by the way the grand prize that I was looking for was a Snoopy electric toothbrush I wish I still had that thing oh what a day I was so excited but each prize kept getting more and I remember my mom and my dad my dad specifically saying hey son there's more there's more. Okay, well, let's go find. There, there's more. Jesus is raised, risen from the grave, but the whisper from heaven is, I'm alive. But there's more. There's more. It's not just me getting up from the grave. It's you too. There's more. 
It's not just me getting up the grave and you getting up from the grave, but it's all this wrong getting made right. There's more. It's not just going to heaven. It's being resurrected one day and being established on this earth to live forever. We all feel it. When somebody dies, we think, oh, it shouldn't be like this. One day it won't. The Bible teaches us that the great God of heaven sent his son to earth to make every wrong right. There's more. And here's the final thing. Is the power of the gospel has no expiration date. So um, I'm a Coca-Cola fan. Any Coca-Cola fans out here? All right, good. Pepsi, anybody brave enough to admit it? All right, good. There's a few Pepsi drinks that are pretty good out there. I like Diet Pepsi. But um, Mountain Dew, thinking about all my Pepsi drinks here. But Coca-Cola has this one particular drink that is so good, y'all. Coke Zero. It is my, I see that hand, brother. Yes, it is my jam. Coke Zero, I could take a bath in it. I love that stuff. And it's not just me. My wife loves it. And Coke Zero has this little thing where they do a fun flavor like several times a year. Have y'all seen that? Right now the flavor is called Move. I had it for the first time yesterday. Tastes like coconut. A little undecided on that. But anyway, there was this one that came out last year. It was called Starlight. Coke Zero Starlight. It was party in a bottle. It was amazing. It was delicious. I loved it. Andrea loved it. And it was for a limited time. So I went around and bought up every single. You could not buy them in cases. I was like going to like Dollar General. And I was going to convenience stores. I would literally walk into the store and say, hey, where's your starlight? And they're like, uh, what? No, the Coke Zeros. Nobody even knew of it. And they're just missing a blessing. So... Anyway, well, leave it to Coca-Cola. They quit making it. So I had to go in an emergency fashion, try to get up as many as I could. And finally, it got to the point where I couldn't find him anymore. It was such a sad day. And anyway, Andrea really wanted one, and I was wanting to get her one. I think it was for her birthday. I got her more than a bottle of Coke, but still, like, it was... I was needing to get her one, and there was a, a store, a, a convenience store here. I won't say the name because it was nothing, just business. But uh, there's a convenience store in town, and I walked in there to grab a Coke Zero. And this is now a few months after I'd even seen them. I'm not even looking for them anymore. And there were four bottles of Starlight Coke Zero. It had, they were, oh, just, they were glowing. And I'm, I'm <laughs> got them right here and walk up to the front register, leave it to me and my big mouth. I said, talking to the guy, I am so glad. I have looked for these for months. He said, what are they? I said, these are Starlight Coke Zeros. I've looked everywhere. I can't even find them. They're absolutely, I'm so excited. He said, oh, wait, let me see that. And he said, these are expired. I can't sell these to you. I said, well, that don't mean nothing. Like, listen, I, I will buy them. 
I, well, he said, sir, I, I, he said, I would lose my job if I did this. I said, I won't tell anybody if you sell, <laughs> if you sell these. What he didn't realize, I was telling everybody if he didn't sell them to me. So I said, I won't tell anybody. Just let me buy them. He said, no, I, I can't, man. It, they'll be in the registry if, if I sell them to you. He said, we send them back to Coke and we get a credit for it. I said, man, I said, just this one time. Like, I'll buy four regular Coke Zeros. I'll buy eight regular Coke Zeros and just let me have these. And he said, man, I can't do it. And right then the Holy Ghost was in the back of my head saying, hey, yo, you're the pastor of First Baptist Church. Don't be stupid. So, <laughs> because I was about to get a little uh, frustrated. So I, I defeatedly came home. I was like, babe, you won't even. It was like so close I could touch it. But they were expired and the man wouldn't let me buy them. You know, when stuff's expired, that means it's worn out. It's not fresh anymore. A friend of mine in South Mississippi is a pharmacist. He told me one time, he said, those expiration dates on those pills, that for the most part, when medicine expires, its effectiveness starts to fade. That if you take something past its expiration date, it's just, it might help you, but then again, it might not. It's not, getting, it's not as good as it used to be. You know, there's another story for me that's very near and dear to my heart. And that is, on January the 26th of 2018, my son Judah died. You all know that, if you know me. He died, now it's been over five years ago now, or I guess even more than that. Let me do the math. No, five, five years ago. It's hard for me to get my mind around that. You know, one of the things that... I appreciate so much about my church family is you all let me talk about him over and over and over again. You all never say, quit talking about him, get past it. I love talking about my son. Let me tell you what's hard, though, is now from time to time I'll run into people when I'm traveling and I'll be telling them about my son and I'll be telling them something really special and they go, oh, okay, well, hey, you went through that, I just, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm, what do you mean? Like, I'm pouring out my, this is the most significant thing that has happened in my life. And you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, go on to the next story. One of the things that I've realized through this is you can't hold on to anything in this life. Peter, my youngest son sleeps in Judah's bedroom now and some of Judah's toys are in there and on the upper shelf were all of Judah's Legos and about six months ago um, when uh, my family was in town Andrew and I went out to eat and while I was gone uh, my family had allowed they didn't know or pay attention allowed Peter and Lucy to get up and pull the Legos all apart and so the last thing that I had the project last Lego set I had with Judah was, is now in a pile of pieces in a drawer somewhere. Um, that was so hard. Because here I am as a dad trying to hold on to every little piece that I can possibly hold on to this boy to remember. And when I tell his story, the people who don't even know him, they'll listen and they're polite. But it's kind of like, oh, okay, why? Friends, everything on this life has an expiration date. 
you can't hold on to anything. Even the most significant thing about your life right now is not going to be remembered in the one or two generations. People won't even care. It's not because they're bad. It's not because people are bad like that. It's just nothing can have that kind of draw and pull and hold on us except for one thing. And that is the resurrection of Jesus. Food can get expired. Drugs can get expired. Stories can get old. Emotions can get worn out. But Christ is raised from the dead. Friend, I don't care if you believe for the first time 60 years ago. Jesus is just as now raised as he was 60 years ago. I don't care how many times you have come to God and said, God, take my life, and then walked right out the door and done something else. Friends, you can come back again to the cross and the empty tomb because Christ is raised from the dead. You cannot wear it out. You cannot wear it out because Christ is raised from the dead. I want to ask you a question today. It's one thing for a man to be raised from the dead. But the New Testament says it's an entirely different thing for you to believe it. Jesus' resurrection only belongs to you if you believe. I want to ask you today, do you believe what I'm telling you? Have you reached this place in your life when you have believed that, yes, Jesus came, he lived and he died, but most importantly, that he got up from the dead? Friends, that's good news for you and me. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that we're sinful. Every single one of us has done wrong. You know it. I know it. We know it. The Bible says we're all sinners. But the Bible also teaches that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord will be saved. Why? Because Christ is raised from the dead. Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, you're willing to say it. And believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And friends, if you did it 50 years ago, it's just as true now as it was then. If you've not done it, you can do it today. Friends, if you need to just be reminded today that his resurrection power and forgiveness is just as true today as it was at the last time you needed it. Receive that blessing today. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these moments that we are able to share together. Father, everything gets old in this life. Everything wears out. Everything goes out of style. Even the most heart-pulling stories lose their tug except for one because you are raised from the dead Lord you are raised from the dead and you are with the Father so our faith is real we are forgiven we will be with our loved ones again and all wrong gets made right 
Lord, I pray you would encourage my friends today. Their faith is not in vain. You are raised from the dead. With every hip bowed and every eye closed, just stay in a posture of prayer for a moment. I just want to talk to the room, just me talking. I want to ask each person here in this room, have you ever reached a place in your life where you've asked Jesus to save you, believing that he is raised from the dead? Have you ever reached that place where you said, Lord, Lord, I believe you're raised from the dead. Come into my life and save me. And if not, you need to do that today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not even guaranteed this afternoon. You need to do that today. Right where you are, you can pray something like this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know you died for me. I know you got up from the grave for me. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Will you save me and come into my life? And if you say it and mean it, it's true. You will. Also, there are those who are here that today God has been stirring your heart, perhaps for some time, or maybe just today you realize, wow, looking at all these people, this is the family that my family needs to part of, be a part of here at Tupelo. You need to come and join First Baptist Church today. We're waiting on you. And if God is leading you to do that, you do that today. Lord, also, as we close out this time of prayer, I pray for those who have not been at a good place lately. And they've come to Easter today. Because of the difficulty of their life, all this just sounds a little bit too good to be true. Let the word of God be an anchor for their soul today, that it's all true. And they can stake their life on it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.